Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, we're just coming off the back of a message last week, uh, which I spoke about on don't rush off. Do not rush off. We've seen it uh, when Jesus died. He actually told everyone he was going to die. Uh, but no one's seen it. Uh, and the ladies were going to the tomb expecting to honor Jesus uh, and the person that he was and bring spices, etc., and found the tomb was empty. Uh, thank goodness they didn't rush off uh, as they were the first preachers, essentially, of the gospel that Jesus had rose from the dead. And, uh, and sometimes in life, uh, we rush off, don't we? When we get wounded, I'm done. See you later. Bye. It's over. I don't want to talk to you ever again. We rush off, but, but maybe we shouldn't rush off. Or there's times where situations just do not go the way we expected them to. Often I've found in my own life is that the end of one season is usually the, be- the start of a next season, a new beginning. And if I, if I finish poorly, I also start poorly. If I, if I finish with a bad attitude or of bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart, will I actually start the next season that maybe God had planned for me in a, in a backwards in negative equity, you could say, emotionally. And so, we've got to be very careful that we do not rush off from offense. We don't rush off, even when you're in church and things don't go the way, or someone looked at you the wrong way, or they don't smell the way they should smell. <laughs> you're sniffing. Um, it's important that we, we, don't, we don't make decisions just impulsively. Uh, because often, if, if we take a step back we, and we look back, we see that God has been doing something through it all, and that everything that we go through can be used for, for godliness. And uh, it's funny, if we look to the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it looks like things like patience. <laughs> the problem with that is the only way to develop patience is to get into a situation where you're impatient, and you have to resist that. <laughs> Anyone been there? Maybe you're like, now, Phil, I'm experiencing impatience. Would you hurry up? Or maybe, you know, that's in a queue. But it's funny. We need resistance. We need situations that don't go our way to test our flesh, to, to kill our flesh, to get, become mature. And so do not rush off. And so I want to kind of build on that today. I'm going to go straight into Scripture. It's a parable. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of what a parable is, a parable is basically an earthy story with a heavenly meaning. So it's where Jesus essentially used some stories to help us, because sometimes we're a wee bit simple as humans, and we just don't get it. So he used these simple stories to help connect the dots in our heart, in our head, and help us to move forward in his way. Um, So I'm going to read this scripture, and then we'll pray. If you have a Bible, you can um, look this up, or you can bring this up in Luke 19, verses 12. I'm going to actually read the full parable. Is that okay? Can you stick with me? I know we try in today's world, try and make everything sharp and quick, and, uh, and, but sometimes we've got to dig a wee bit deeper and, and actually look at the whole thing. So it's, this is Jesus speaking, and he's trying to explain basically what, what's the context of this situation is people think because Jesus has arrived, the kingdom has arrived in fullness, and Jesus is trying to tell the people, no, it's not yet. So, so another way of explaining that would be in the world we live in today, we're in a kingdom of now and not yet. Meaning, 
The kingdom has come, but it still is to come. We live in a tension of sometimes we see God heal people this side of heaven, but probably most of it's going to be at the other side of heaven. So we see in part the kingdom here and here now. But there's still a not yet. We're still in part. We prophesy in part, not in full. We know part of the picture. Uh, but one day we'll see the full picture. Amen. Yeah. And so this, that's the context. He's trying to teach them and sh- show them, listen, you're in a not yet part, but it's also a now part. And what you do now matters. Yeah. <laughs> so he so said, a man of noble birth. So, so the man of noble birth is him. He's explained that he's the... He, this is Jesus in the story. He's royalty. Bertha went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then returned. So Jesus was there, but he was, he's going. He's went away, but he's returning. And so he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Minas is basically about three months' wage. So three, three to five thousand. In today's average earnings, about three to five thousand pounds. So, so, he, put the, and put, he asked them to put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant. His master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. So it's just interesting that Jesus chose to use money in this situation. And this isn't a money message, so relax. I'm just interested at what Jesus is doing here. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here's your minute. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a hard man. (laughs) You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. It's nearly as if this servant is challenging the king, as if we're on equal footing. And I'm going to speak to that in just a second. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put the money on deposit so that that when it came back, I could have collected it with interest? It's as if, this wicked servant has just been stubborn and said, I'm not going to help you because you're not, we're on equal grounding, equal footing. If you don't help me, I'm not going to help you. He was nearly trying to, to say, I'm on the same level. And Jesus in this, in this story is essentially saying, well, well, even if you didn't like my methods, why did you not just let it progress, move forward anyhow, and at least you would still find favor? He already had 10, he replied, Sorry, take this minna away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, he, he, is all, oh, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, 
Even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here, kill them in front of me. Let's pray. God, we just pray and thank you that you are king. We thank you that you are here, but you're also coming in fullness. And so, God, I just pray that you help us to see clearly through your eyes in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So the message today is called Use It or Lose It. Use It or Lose It. One of the first things I notice about this story is that God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder of those who are faithful. Me and my lovely wife, I'm just telling stories about my, my relationship with my wife all the time these days. It's just such good material. Anyhow, it's not really about my wife this time, my, but my wife was connected because she decided to offer up our house as a dog-sitting service <laughs> in the last few days. Uh, and it's kind of probably a secret ploy from her of wiggling a dog into our house permanently, and I'm resisting but anyhow, one thing I've noticed with this dog, which is a dog of one of our congregation, but please don't come to us after offering us a dog the next time you're away. This is for illustration purposes only. But one thing I noticed with this dog is I was trying to throw the ball around the garden and get it to do some things and even sit or, or not go crazy around the house, um, was if I rewarded it with a little treat then the response was usually consistent. And the whole point of me rewarding the dog was to train it in the way it should go so that we could have a functional home, that the sofa would stay intact, <laughs> that his paws would be clean, etc., etc. And, and, and I guess what we see in this story is Jesus is literally painting this very simple picture that these people would have understood. And he was saying essentially that he's a rewarder of those that are faithful. God is a rewarder. When you're faithful, God rewards. He's not this uh, stiff, kind of um, tight father. He's a generous God, but he wants to be generous towards those things that you do right and you do well and you do in line with a healthy way of doing things with his house, with his kingdom. And he rewards, so that's, that's good. God's a rewarder. But one thing I did notice and I picked up on this was that he used the example of money and what is that about? Some of us are getting real, Ugh. don't you go there, Phil. Don't you talk about money. And it's interesting, early in the chapter, there's a verse in chapter, Luke chapter 16 that talks about Jesus speaking about um, riches. And he basically said that if you cannot be faithful with worldly riches, money, how can you be faithful with true riches, people? It's actually paralleled in this story too because what happens is Jesus, the king in this story, has left to receive his kingship and he, he puts money, possession, in these people's hands. But then he returns and those who were faithful, he puts then cities. So the, who were faithful with the 10 minas then are, are reported back with 10 minas ended up with 10 cities. Who lives in cities? People. They now, instead of managing money, just possession, they're now managing people. I believe the same is also apparent. It's something we've got to be so careful with. And I was just praying this morning. I didn't really want to talk about money. But I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, literally, 
money matters. Money, it actually matters. Why? Because we, why are we bothered about it when we talk about it? Because it matters. Don't you take that. It's mine. You bet. And here, here's the reality. Let me be honest with you for a second. I've honestly, in the, in the last, <laughs> during this whole COVID thing, and I've seen so many reports on churches with money, money problems, or, or maybe probably just people problems, if I'm honest. And, and unfortunately, they dragged the whole institution and, and, and church down because of how they handle money. But let me reframe that. I think this is really important. I have given thousands of pounds. And I'm not saying this to impress you. I'm saying, I'm saying this to try and help you to understand the weight and how we should really, the mentality, mentality we should have towards this. I've given thousands of pounds towards a church that doesn't exist anymore. And I felt in my heart God had put not just a tithe, but way above the tithe to give to this church. And then a few years later, it disappeared. <laughs> How do you deal with that? What do you do with that? If I thought that money was mine, I'm mad. Because I then start to control. I want it back. It's a disgrace. Can't believe you've done that. But honestly, I have no bitterness in my heart at all. I, I, because I didn't give it to an institution. I didn't give it to just a church name or a brand or whatever you want to call that, I give it to God. And I promise you, I fully believe this in my heart, I have still been rewarded because of what I give. And because, of, because I give that to God, if I hadn't been faithful in that, I, I'm honestly, I'm challenged more now as we build this church and this community of people. I have now got to deal with more money, but not just money, with people. And those lessons and those areas that I've been faithful with in the past season have set me up for a win in this season. And so I just want to help you to frame that. Don't put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in mere human beings. I don't care if they're called a pastor, a priest, a bishop. I don't care what they're called. You put your trust in Jesus. He is the rewarder. He is the giver of gifts and good gifts. And so no matter what is happening around you, in God is... Jesus is the king in this story. And empires will, will, will be built and they will fall. But what is built in Jesus' name will, will last for eternity. This is what we're talking about. Listen, denominations come for a season and they go and new denominations arise. But, but the main part is what happened. Did we point people to Jesus doesn't matter what that name is. Did we point people to Jesus? Are people staying committed to Jesus? And that's a big thing on my heart is whether Ariat lasts for a thousand years or a hundred years or two hundred, we're pointing people to Jesus. Whether we're here or not, Jesus. Relationship with him. Build, find somewhere to build his kingdom. Wherever you live, if you go to a different country, find a local church that's building his kingdom that lines up with enough not everything, not every I is dotted in every T. Oh, I don't agree with this. That's fine. But do you agree on the essentials? Because if you agree on the essentials, in the grand scheme of things, that's all that matters. I don't believe in water baptism, Phil. I believe in the sprinkle. That's fine. You're still welcome. You can still come on team. We'll probably still let you come into leadership to a certain extent. But you're not going to be baptizing people. Does that make sense? Oh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't, they believe in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. Oh my word, this is weird, I'm not comfortable. 
Listen, there's people on our team that don't believe in that. They've been brought up in that. They don't understand it. That's fine. We're going to believe in it. We're going to, we're going to believe in a balanced way, hopefully. To the best of our ability, we're going to be open to all that God has, but we understand in this lifetime, some people just won't be able to go there. That's okay. It's not essential. It doesn't, it's not a life or death thing. And so my approach is more, hey, if there's help available, let's take it. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Let's, how about we just be open? Let's test it. Let's give it a shot. I know, I know we were brought up a certain way, and that didn't teach you that those things were okay, but go to the Bible yourself. Check it out. Wrestle with it. There's things I'm wrestling with right now. <laughs> it's annoying, to be quite honest. I would prefer it just to be all super clear and super easy and super uh, clear cut, and that's when we would probably, I would probably create a religious box to tick, and then we die in that too. <laughs> so it's like, there's a wrestle with this relationship with God. There's a wrestle with life. There's a wrestle of tensions, and it's okay. There's a wrestle of the now and the not yet. We're believing for healing, but what, if, what happens if someone believed for healing and someone died? What do you do with that? Do you just condemn them because they didn't believe enough? I don't think so. I think you believe with all of your heart, and then you trust God with the rest. You know that one day that person will be believed if they, they trusted Jesus, their Lord and Savior. And so we're sitting in attention of the now and the not yet. We know in part and not in full. I think that's important to, to, to understand that from this story. Jesus is saying, hey, be faithful with this lesser thing, money. And, and if you can be faithful with just that kind of possessions, those possessions and look after my kingdom while I'm away, well then, how much more can I trust you with the more important things, money? Or sorry, people. Better get that right. <laughs> Someone's going to make a blog about that. <laughs> We're live. It's all over. <laughs> and so that's really important. I was talking to one of our, um, one of our guys on team. It was actually Julie, and, and she was speaking to me last week. And she had a picture, and, and obviously I believe in the prophetic, and I believe that there's definitely something in that. And she gave me this picture, and she feels like this is where maybe our church is or a lot of churches of the world in general. Um, and I felt it resonated because I feel like this is where we're at. Have you ever seen like a, a pond and it's got that kind of green algae over the top and it's just still and there's no water coming in and there's no water going out. There's no freshness. There's no life in it. There's, there's no, no fish in it. I think honestly the last two years that's what it's done to a lot of us. We don't feel fresh. We, there's, a, there's, there's a lack of life. We, we feel lethargic. And I honestly believe it's because we stop using what God put in us. See, when you stop using your faith, you lose your faith. That's why sometimes when we get fatigued, or when, when fatigue comes in, faith goes out. That's the reality. See, it can even happen if you come to church too much, you're serving too much. We try to get a healthy rhythm with the people that serve because if you're here too much, you're giving too much and you're getting not receiving, then what happens is you get fatigued, and you, you get fall into religious behavior. And so it's really important. I love before our services, before we serve, we always have a time of intimacy with God where we pray. Nothing on the screen. It's just dark in here, and our, our teams just stand and try to engage God by using prayer, by using worship, by using our mouth, by using what we have 
to just sit back and go, we thank you. Thank you for another day. Thank you that we get to do this. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you have a plan. And then in that we engage God. God begins to flow like a living, a, a living water. Like a, a stream that's full of life, full of flow. It's fresh. It's coming from the mountains and it's filling us up. And th- th- here's the reality. Until you start to use what God's put inside of you, you stay in that stagnant pond. Until you start to activate faith, not just through prayer, but through action, then, then you feel stagnant. All, all of the, the best things that God has for us and for his church are on the front line. It, it's on the field. That's why as a church, I, I fully believe, I don't care what you do, just do something. If it's during the week, it's at a weekend service, let's just get active, let's, let's get in the mix. Because what often happens, I find, is when people activate, even if it's just on the welcome team, then all of a sudden they act differently. They've kind of, they're publicly welcoming people to God's house. All of a sudden when they're at work, they start to think a little bit different. Like I've done this before. I've done this at church. Now I can actually talk to people about church and about God and actually maybe pray for someone if they need help in any area. Just show kindness. Why? Because you started to use some of that stuff God has put in you. And because now you're using it, there's, there's a momentum, there's rhythm, there's activation and it starts just with something small in the same way just a small spark can start a forest fire it's just a wee small move small movement it's when I was I remember um, I was in, in Bible college and I was training up to <laughs> To do ministry in the, in the church I was a part of, they believe big on servant leadership. So it was, you're actively serving while you're studying. Because they felt that a lot of people went to um, Bible college to study the Bible, and that's all they'd done. They looked at the theory, and they looked in the depth, and, and they were just, it was just all academic. And because it was just all academic, instead of it becoming, I'm trying to look for the word here. Uh, what are, what's another word for Bible college? Seminary. Yes, Seminary. They were called, I'm going to seminary to study the Bible, to become holy. And, and it, instead of being seminary, it would end up being a cemetery. Because they would study the Bible until they're blue in the face, and they would get into so much depth to the point where they get so confused, and there's no faith. It's just academic study. You see, the, the disciples just didn't sit around studying the Old Testament or the books of the Bible all day. That was a part, but it was the Word and the Spirit. And so Jesus, most of the stuff that we see in the Scriptures wasn't them sitting down studying, it was them out doing, acti- activating their faith, going twos into this town or the city or this village. Go. Use it or you lose it. If you just study the Word in an ac- academic manner, you're in dangerous territory of death because you were never supposed to just study and not do you're not, you aren't supposed to just read the manual and not follow it. It's so, so important. And it, it's just about following a little bit at a time. Activate your faith. Move in some shape or form or fashion. I keep, I had a few years off because I had a dodgy hip. 
playing football and uh, still dodgy, but one thing I found is as I stopped waiting for things to be perfect again like they were when I was 20, I started to seize up. And then I started to go, I went back a few years, about a year back to try and play football, and it was so embarrassing because every time I would go to training with FC Mindwell, I would pull up with a, a, just a silly wee calf injury. I felt so weak. It's like, it, honestly, I would be in the warm-up for the training, just warming up. Ah! And just a wee, a wee niggle, and I would have to go home. I last like two minutes. Then the next time it would be like five minutes, and then the next time it would be like ten minutes. I'm just waiting for something to go wrong. <clears throat> because I, I realize if I don't use it, I lose it. If I don't stay active and moving, then all of a sudden I seize up. My body stops. Johnny, by the way, do you like this bicycle? That was us, Johnny, in the Sahara Desert doing an Ironman. You're looking good, mate. <laughs> And so, so, so I just find, as I'm getting back in, I need to keep moving. It's not perfect. I still feel a wee bit of an ache in my hip, but, but I need, I'm better off moving than staying still. I have a better chance of staying healthy and getting some work done and keeping my body in good balance if I move. Can I get an amen? One of the things I love about this story is that Jesus built us for success. Jesus built us. It's not this kind of effort, but no, he built us for success. He expected the servants in the story to succeed. There's some, something in every person in this room that will allow you to succeed. Everyone is good at something, is actually great at something. Everyone's got some sort of skill that they can do really well. And it can be as simple as welcoming someone. It can be as simple, simple as putting food on a table, hospitality. It can be as simple as just giving someone a word of encouragement. But you see, all those things are great, but they're useless until they're activated. They're of no use whatsoever. You see, what, what, there's been times I'm probably, when, when I contact people, people probably get a wee bit worried in our church because they're like, oh no, what's Phil going to ask us to do? Because I guess by nature, I'm a bit of an activator. I feel my role as a pastor is to activate the church, to empower people and get out of the way, is to release people into what God's put in them, be bold enough to call it out. And so what often that looks like, it looks like awkward, awkward conversations. It looks like fear. It looks like, oh, what if I don't make it? What if I don't do it right? What if I fall while I'm doing it? What if? And the reality is, that's the beauty about God's grace because it's okay if you fail as you go. It's okay if you fall down, you just get back up. It's okay, but, but if we're not using it, we're going to lose it. If we're not using any, we're not even trying, we're, we're not moving anywhere. And, and I guess one thing that frustrates me sometimes, because um, I know I, I've been taught that if I don't empower leaders, I lose leaders. Because why? Leaders want to lead. Leaders are gifted to lead. Leaders know there's something in them, in them that needs to be pulled out. And so my job is to keep people moving, activating, guiding together as, as a body. 
And I guess it frustrates me sometimes when I see potential in people, but fear traps them. And fear causes them to feel stuck. Fear causes them to, get, to, to give in and to stay in that static lake that there's no fresh there's no fresh water getting into or any fresh water getting out of. And what happens is their time is really, they're not using their time. They're just using their time doing what they've always done, staying comfortable, staying still. But, but I, I, the church, the church to be the church that God has intended to be, it has to be active. It's not a monument, it's a movement. It's not a statue that just stands still. It's never supposed to be just a memorial that we come and visit and, and think about the past and how good it was. It's always evolving. It's always adapting. It's always looking at how can we do things better. I, I was talking to our team today, and, I, and some of you have maybe experienced this. One thing I'm, I'm, I'm super um, vigilant on, I, you would say, is I, I never want to become the kind of church that becomes inward. That when someone comes in, that we don't get out of our comfort zone to go and put ourselves in their shoes and welcome you in. And listen, as we're getting out of this last season, there'll be kicks and there'll be starts and we'll, we'll fall and we'll probably not always get it right. But as long as we're moving in the right direction, we'll get there. I'm, so, I'm sure some of you have been in some of those environments. It mightn't be a church. Maybe it's just going into a house party or someone else's family party for the first time and no one talks and it's like nearly looking at you like what are you who invited you and it's nearly as if you didn't contribute towards the food so don't eat like am I allowed to be here like do you want me <laughs> and so I want to have the opposite of that it's like no we got some people who have paid for you up front We've got some people prepared. We've been expecting you. We've actually got a table prepared for you. We've actually got a seat ready. We've got the coffee is steaming. And it's hopefully amazing. Apart from if you're a coffee snob, you might not like it. Every week. <laughs> so Jesus has built us for success. Everyone is great at something. That's important for you to understand that. Everybody needs to be needed and to be known. What's that, what does that mean? We've all got something to offer to the work of the ministry, but we also want to be known as a person. We, we need someone to know our name. On a, actually, someone was telling me, I'm so glad I've started going to groups. Good old Billy. It wasn't Billy, but they said, Billy came and gave me a hug because he now knows me. You're missing out if you haven't had a Billy hug. Why? Because they were known. Why? Because they moved, were, to a group. They went through the awkward, they went through fear, they went through, Ugh, I'm going to show up. Sitting. I remember there was a church I was a part of and there was a girl and, and she actually came. <laughs> she came for the first night and they just stayed in the car park. Why? Because just the fear of like, am I allowed to be in here? Did they know where I was last night? You know, if they just, if they, what if God super nasty tells them everything I've done, all the sins I've done in my life? Listen, you're in good company. Come on in. The next week, she actually seen someone on the door welcoming people, and she's like, if he is allowed in, 
I'm definitely allowed in, so I'm good to go. That's why we put some of our chief sinners on the door. <laughs> I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding, jokes, jokes. Who was on this morning, Nicola? <laughs> I'm only kidding. It's a good technique, though. Fear leads us out of risk and into control. See, it's not just this distance thing. Fear comes up real close. Have you ever had it where you're afraid of something and you actually start to create amazing stories that would be really fitting for a good movie? And you're creating all these kinds of narratives. I'm going to trip up, do a tumble over, fall over, throw the coffee all over my face. I don't know what that is, but, but fear controls us. But the worst part about fear is it causes us to stay still. Just like that pond, there's no flow in or out. There's no progress. There's no success. There, there's, no, there's no movement forward. It's still. If you can just picture that little pond, it's dead. Fear creates death. It also creates us to be suspicious. Come on, has anyone ever been suspicious of someone in here? Your boss? Oh, they're out. They're, they're against me. Actually, this is what happened, I believe, to the guy who didn't succeed with his money. He didn't invest his money. He didn't move his money in any direction. He kept his money because he actually, I honestly believe the big problem with the guy in this story who didn't progress or succeed was because he actually didn't trust the king. And so therefore he tried to level off with the king as if he was on the king's standard as if he was on the same platform as the king. Listen, I think it's really important for us to understand we are not on the same level as Jesus. We are not on the same level as God. I think that's a really important posture to have, is that we are created, not the creator. As we surrender and submit under God's will, that's an act of saying, God, you're bigger. God, you're better. God, you're stronger. God, you're smarter. And so therefore, I'm going to do things your way. That's, that's a massive, and this, this man experienced fear because he tried to go head to head with the king and tried to call the king out for his wrongdoings. And, and he, the king then returns, Jesus then returns and says, well, you condemn yourself with your attitude. Because fear, can, that kind of fear and distrust with any organization, actually there's research that shows any organization doesn't benefit from a suspicious mind with fear, a fear mindset. Even if people are wronging you, are messing with you. It, as I said, I experienced giving, investing, moving, giving my all to a church that doesn't exist. I still benefit because I just trusted God. God bypasses the system. And if we're going around life thinking that someone can stop us from fulfilling God's will, then, then you're, you're in that mindset of control, of fear, thinking, oh, they, they can affect God's blessing on my life. No, they can't. Oh, they're going to, that situation's going to stop God's blessing in my, no, they can't. No, it can't. Because when you trust in God, you're trusting in an entity that's way bigger, that uses 
uses the sin. Even the worst part of our life, he uses those things for our good. When we submit. And so when we have those fear mentalities, which, and we don't trust leadership of some kind, and we don't trust people above us of any kind. The Bible actually says, even in politics, that God puts, knows all those people who are in those places. And he can still fulfill his purposes and his will in despite of them. I find even when people I believe in my own human limited mindset, some people who are working against me, and I'd maybe been suspicious wrongly, that when I was suspicious and when I was trying to control the situation, I was trying to fend for myself and my own reputation, I found it worked against me. But when I let go and say, listen, you do what you do, I'm going to do what I do, I'm going to be faithful to God, then when I had those mindsets, I was rewarded. And I succeeded. And I had freedom. And there was movement. And I was using faith to do that. You see, in order to not repay someone's evil for evil, it takes faith. It's fear that repays evil for evil. It's, it's fear that tries to control. It's fear that tries to manipulate. It's fear that tries to work things out for your own good. It's faith that puts it into God's hands, into the King's hands, into Jesus' hands. Just look after your lane, and God will look after the rest. But the problem is sometimes you might visit a tomb or two. Sometimes some relationships will fall. Sometimes some organizations will fall. Some, some jobs will fall. But, but in the grand scheme of things, what's it look like in five years? Have you ever heard someone say that? Will it matter in five years? It's so true. When you look back in five years and all the emotions are gone and all the, the, the drama is gone, you look back, you're like, whoa, God, you actually protected me. God, you actually set me up for a win. What, why was I, I wasted so much time and energy being suspicious, trying to control, trying to fight for my own reputation. I wasted so much time. So much anxiety was wasted on things that didn't matter in the end. That God had his way despite enemies, despite resistance, despite my own flaws. If I can just do things God's way, I move forward. Amen? I'm just skipping on because the time is flying. I'll finish with this. As, where's Dylan? So whatever you use, you put to work, and it expands. So it's really your, it's your choice. God is a gentleman. You free will. But whatever you use, you put to work. And whatever you put to work, it expands. If you put fear to work, expect control, an effort to control. Expect more fear. Expect a tree of fear that's producing fruit of fear. You put it to, if you use that, you put it to work and it expands. But in the same way, we were praying this morning before we came to church, we put faith to work. Faith in God. Worship to God. We're worshiping God. We're putting our faith to work. If you put thankfulness to work and you use thankfulness, you become more thankful. A, a, a real simple story. 
when my wife cooks me food and she's waiting for me to do one thing and it looks like this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> and when I've done that, I've showed thankfulness. I've honored her work. And guess what happens? More food. More meals on the table. More smiles. More connection. It's nearly the same thing as we worship, as we pray. It's as if God connects more, more joy, more eternal mindset, more peace, more strength to get through some of the hardest seasons of our life. Use it or you lose it. You see, if I don't use forgiveness, the Bible says then you lose forgiveness because we didn't earn forgiveness from the cross. We receive forgiveness. It says, if you don't forgive others, then you cannot be forgiven. What's, honestly, what Jesus is really saying there is if you don't use that forgiveness and receive it and see, what for, see it for what it is, you're going to die inside. Your face is going to grow cold. Your life's going to become stiff. Some of us in here, you know that's where you're at. You feel stiff. You feel stagnant. It's amazing what just a little bit of movement can do. It's amazing what just a little bit of spark can do. You see, to get the fire, you have to create the fire. You have to create the heat. That doesn't just happen. Fires don't just appear for the most part. You, you build them. And then you create the spark through friction, through intensity, the rubbing of the sticks or even a match. And so I think that's where some of us are at if we want to get the spark back and get the fire going again and get the fresh water flowing through our, through, through our soul. You're going to have to use what God has put in your hands. You're going to have to use the tools that God has given you, prayer. But not just prayer, action. Whether that's in church, whether that's at home, I'm telling you, it's amazing once you start to pray. One of the best things I do any day is just start. <laughs> just start to pray, though. And as I start, I begin to flow. And as I flow, I begin to hear. And as I hear, I then have actions to do. One thing I, I said to myself, right, Phil, if there's an opportunity that comes, you get so many opportunities that you don't take. I was with a neighbor the other day a new neighbor, she was asking, asking me about my grass. Just, how did you do that? I'm like, well, I had to use my lawnmower. And I had to use the sprinkler. And I had to use fertilizer. Because if I didn't use it, I lose it to the weeds. But then it came up that she said she was going through some health things. And, and I just said, oh, my word. I should be praying here. I should offer this older woman a chance to pray and I prayed with her she was from a Catholic background but she was well off her just a simple prayer you know what's happened is that my heart is connected to hers I actually care more about her, her as a person I care more about what's going on in her life I care about her grass too as well now <laughs> I'll cut that long but there's something about when you use it there's something about when you just do something small it activates more. 
God blesses you when you use your gifts. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.